Turn to John chapter 11 this morning. John chapter 11. I'm going to read several verses of scripture to you. I'll point out the text verse that I want to focus in on. John chapter 11 and verse 47. In this particular chapter, this is the chapter where Jesus has now raised Lazarus from the dead. And with Lazarus being raised from the dead, the fame of Christ is spreading everywhere. And it creates a problem for the religious leaders. Do you know, do you know Jesus always causes problems for religion? Because now what they have taught and the guidelines that they have set up for their idea of serving God has now suddenly been broken because the Messiah has come and they refuse to accept him. And it creates a problem. In verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. Wouldn't that be terrible? And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. See, they were a nation within an empire. And they were afraid they would lose their standing if they didn't do something about Jesus. And one of them named Caiaphas, you remember Caiaphas, the high priest, don't you? Named Caiaphas being the high priest the same year said unto them, ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. For this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year. Now notice this next phrase. He prophesied that Jesus Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Isn't that something? The high priest that later would play the role of making sure that Jesus is falsely accused and tried. It's in Caiaphas' house that they bring Jesus and hold him. He doesn't speak up then, which tells me he doesn't even recognize who Jesus is. But yet, God used someone that would be used later on to try to stop the message of Christ, to prophesy this is the one that will die not only for the nation, but for all those that they should be gathered in. In other words, the presence of Christ calls people that didn't even believe in Jesus to speak things about him. That's what happens when the real Jesus is present. Then they go on to say in verse 53, they from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. So first he prophesies about him, then he wants to kill him. And after they come to that, Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews. Now notice where he went. But went then 
thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. So when he leaves, he leaves out into the country of Ephraim. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So he's going out while the people are coming in. Then sought they for Jesus. Mark those words. Then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves as they should stand in the temple. What think ye that he will not come to the feast? Do you think Jesus is going to be here today? Do you think he'll show up? Do you think this of all days that Jesus will be here? Verse 57. Now both the chief priest and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Over 40 years ago, and I hesitate to talk a lot about my past, but this is not about me. So I hope you'll be patient with me. Over 40 years ago, I received in the same day two calls from two churches for revival. One was a dear friend of mine that had just taken a country church that was struggling to keep its doors open. And I knew the circumstance he was in and he was a dear friend. And the other was a pastor of a large church. They had just built a 1700 seat sanctuary and he had extended to me an invitation and both were on the same week. I communicated with both of them and said, would you give me just a day or two to pray about it? I'm reluctant just to book a meeting to be booking a meeting. You'll get yourself in trouble if you're not where you ought to be. And I said, would you give me a day or two just to pray about it to see where the Lord wants me to be? Well, when I hung up the phone, and don't you look pious at me, if you were going to a church <laughs> that's about to close its doors and one that's on fire that just built a 1700 seat sanctuary, which one would you want to go to? But God reminded me, you said you would pray about it. So I, I called this friend of mine back and he said, Cal, you're the man. You're the one that has to be here. I've prayed about this. You've got to be here. He said, God wants you here that week. And he said, that's from heaven. You do with it what you want. I booked the meeting. I got to the first service. There were, it's either, if I'm, I'm going from memory here, it was either 18 or 20 people were there. And the whole time I'm sitting on the front seat waiting to preach, it is chaos. Nothing is happening. It is dry as the desert. The singers are struggling. And this pastor friend, he's older than myself. He's sitting up on the front 
And he's just smiling and praising God and thanking God. But he's the only one feels anything. I get up, I preach. And to be perfectly honest, it was rather brief because I just couldn't see anything. And then at the close of the service, he stood up and he said, did you see him today? He's here. He's all over this church. He's everywhere. Didn't you see him? Jesus showed up today. He's here. And I have to admit, I was among not the first, but among the first group that hit the altar because I did not see him. I did not see him in any of it. But he saw something. He realized something. He had prayed about something. And as he would speak, you could tell he was thrilled about it. He said, I'm telling you, God's going to give us revival. It has started today. And he said, this church won't hold the people and there'll be people saved, more people saved than the history of this church put together in this one revival. I'm believing God for it. An hour and a half later, the prayer stopped and we left. But I saw him. The next night, 29 were saved and they couldn't get them in the church. It was a church that was down to 10 or 12 people when he went there. At the end of the first week, I was just scheduled for a few nights. He said, can you cancel your next meeting? Now I'm wanting to stay. I called and I said, we've got revival. The preacher said, oh, you know what to do. You stay for the revival. At the end of the first week, 89 were saved. The church was growing and the Lord was there. And I thought about that this morning as I prepared for this message. And I asked myself that question, Jesus are you going to be at Rubyville today? See, the people came on Passover for two reasons. First, the law required it. But second of all, their heart desired to see Jesus. And they said, we're being obedient. We're coming. Some of you have come today at a mere obligation and I'm not scolding you for that. You're saved and you know as a good Christian, you ought to be in church. It's Sunday. This is the day we set aside as the day that Jesus rose from the grave. The first day of the week, we gather to worship and you've come out of your obligation because you come to church, you profess Christianity. This is where a good Christian ought to be. But then there's some that are not only here out of obligation, knowing this is the right place but before they ever left the house today they said glory to God I'm going to go see Jesus today I'm expecting him to show up I'm looking for him I want to see him as I've never seen him before I want to experience his presence as I've never experienced his presence before I have come not to go to church I have come to see the Lord But it's...
But instead, as they're coming in, he's already gone out. Do you know, Jesus will not stay where he is not wanted. He won't. He won't stay where he's not wanted. He, he wants to show himself. He has shown himself in a miraculous way. Now there's no denying it. A man that was dead, had been buried for four days, has now risen from the dead at his command. You can't keep it quiet anymore. He is who he said he was. He claimed to be God in the flesh, but now he's proven he's God in the flesh. He's doing what no other man could do. It's miraculous. And now they know. The problem of it is, if we would see Jesus, we have to go in the same direction he's going. It struck me odd. Think about this. This passage takes place in the city of God. It takes place not only in the city of God, it's in the temple of God. And it's not only in the city of God and the temple of God, but it's the people of God. And here they are on the most holy day, set aside to God. Passover. But they did not see Jesus. That causes me to ask, why? Why didn't they see Jesus? Why did he go in the opposite direction? He knew all things. And he knew that they had taken counsel to kill him. You know, I think there's some people in life that they think it's their God-given appointment to kill revival. I really believe they think it's their God-given appointment to kill something good that's happening. In our tri-state area right now, uh, Christ Temple Church has been in revival. They're starting week four today. And uh, if what I read is correct, I've, I've texted back and forth a couple times to Pastor Chuck. He's a good friend of mine. And I, in fact, I texted him this morning before I came into the service letting him know that I'm praying for the meeting. And do you know that on Thursday someone stopped me? I, I had to run an errand and someone stopped me and they started criticizing what's happening. And they said, you know, they're not of my denomination and they don't believe everything the way I believe. And I said, you know what your problem is? You're jealous. 
That's your problem. You're jealous. We ought to be happy at any move of God. We're talking about a move of God that is so strong, it got in the schools and now they're trying to shut everything down because they had a gathering and now they're fussing over whether students were forced to go or not go. I don't know all of that, but whether the students were there or not, apparently Jesus was there and something was happening and drug addicts are being set free and people are being healed and people are following the Lord in believers' back baptism and to see some nights of people being baptized an hour and a half, two hours three and four hours the service is going. It's not how long that we're here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying but if we come today and Jesus doesn't show up it's all in vain. And you can believe me or not I am as happy for them that it happened there as if it was happening right here. And we ought to be. By the way, if it happens five miles down the road, I'll be just as happy for them as I would be right here. Why? Because we're saved in the family of God. We're going to heaven together and this nation needs revival. Oh Lord, would you show up in our services again? Would you show up in the preaching, in the invitation, in the singing? Lord, we need to see Jesus. We need to see. Have you seen him? Have you seen him today? Do you think he's here? (laughs) Did you leave the house and say, you know, I think Jesus will be here today. Tammy sang a beautiful song about the boy on crutches and people, they get so moved when they hear songs like that. But in reality, if someone that didn't smell too nice said by you today, how would you treat him? I mean, if someone looks so ungodly, scarred by sin. Last week, someone notified me, and I got to clear the air on this, okay? There's some things you got to get it off of you. I don't know any other way to get it off, but preach it off. They, They talked about someone that had started attending our church and and said, do you know what they've been into? And I said, yeah. How do you know? I said, they told me. (laughs) And they said, but you allow them to come to your church? And I said, let's get it right. First of all, it's not my church, it's his church. And what do you want? Do you want sinners to stay in their sin? Or do you want to see them forgiven and their life changed? And may I remind you, some of you were too good before you met Jesus. You were at the bottom of the barrel when you met the Lord, but the grace of God came down and turned your life around. Oh, bless his name. We 
we would see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Have you seen him? I said, it doesn't mean that you condone sin. But how can you ever get a person saved if you don't get them to Jesus? We've got to get you to Jesus. That's why these four, these four walls were built. That's why those doors swing out. They don't swing in, they swing out. They're telling the world, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. When we were building this building, the inspector one day was back in the back and I had very little to do with the construction of this building. I'm just glad the Lord let me be here when it happened. But he was back there and, and we were talking about all of the structures and, and I don't know why, but he brought up in the plans, he, some of the doorways, even, even in some of the classrooms and other places. But I remember distinctly him saying, now notice on these plans, these doors are to swing out in case there's a fire. You want people to be able to get out. I stood there thinking to myself, and you don't want to be a smart aleck to an inspector. Whatever you do, you treat them politely and nicely. And I thought to myself, there's another reason. We're not worried about the fire allowing us to get out. We're worried about those that are headed to the fire that need to get in. You say, others don't think much of me. Jesus loves you. Amen. 